Hi, everybody. It's Paul. Um, Hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. And, you know, one of the things that kind of bugs me about us as Christians is sometimes we seem really thin skin. And, and, you know, I said holiday season and many of my Christian friends would say, say Christmas, don't take Christ out of the holiday. So let me let you in on a little secret that maybe you can you and I can share together and not worry about our friends then the word holiday means holy day so when i say happy holidays to somebody i am saying let's celebrate the holy days that we're in um and so holy day can include our jewish friends who are celebrating hanukkah um our, our friends from communities of color that are celebrating Kwanzaa or some other events. And, you know, I hear people all the time say, let's not take Christ out of Christmas. So here's another little secret. Did you know that Jesus wasn't born in December? That December 25th is actually a pagan holiday that the church took over and made to celebrate the birth of Jesus, that even our symbols like the Christmas tree are pagan symbols. So it isn't that others are taking Christ out of Christmas, it's that we stuffed him in there, (laughs) which is okay, and we can celebrate it. And I love that Christmas time means in a regular non-COVID season, malls are packed with people hearing Mariah Carey's beautiful version of O Holy Night, and they're hearing the story of heaven right there in our most commercial of areas, and I think it's a beautiful thing. But let's just not be so thin-skinned that we're like, no, you will say Christmas and you'll not say holiday. Just say happy holidays to somebody. Know that you're saying holy day, and so you're still honoring Christ. And Jesus once said about a tax at the temple, he said, so is not to offend. Let's just pay the tax. And why don't we just pay the tax and not offend so the gospel can continue to go forth from us? So this is a Christmas podcast today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. But first, let me tell you, I want you to go to my website and sign up for our Insiders newsletter. And you're really going to want to do this because we have some new things coming in the new year. Some Bible studies, um, the show that Ashley and I do, some seminars. We're going to start talking about what does it mean to repent and change your mind. And repent doesn't necessarily mean confess that you stole gum when you were 12. Repent means to be open to hearing something new and being willing to let your heart be changed by it. So there's going to be some seminars and some other things coming up in 2021. So make sure you're on my Insider's newsletter. Go to the website, NPE Podcast, nonpartisan evangelical, NPEpodcast.com, and sign up on that newsletter. I recently have had a couple of opportunities to talk on a podcast back with a a church called St. Mark's UMC in Wichita, Kansas. And my wife and I got to join a few weeks ago to talk about Christmas and the fact that Christmas is not necessarily this little sweet holiday that we think it is. It actually is an invasion of the kingdom of heaven 
bringing good things into the kingdoms of earth and the kingdoms of man. And I want you to hear about that as I talk with Pastor Robert Johnson and his team from St. Mark's UMC in Wichita. Enjoy the podcast here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical and NPEPodcast.com. Those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. This is my guest for tonight, Pastor Paul Swearingen out of Fresno, California. He refers to himself as the nonpartisan evangelical. Nonpartisan evangelical. Nonpartisan yeah. evangelical. He is doing some amazing things. You can find him on 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 Twitter. You can find him on TikTok. And I strong. Hey, Curtis Johnson, brother, pastor. And again, Pastor Janice Gilbert, two of my colleagues from the from the Great Plant, from the Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church, but Pastor Paul is doing some some amazing things, Melinda, on TikTok and on Twitter, and engaging the next generation, but also tearing down a lot of strongholds in terms of politics in this country, and and just really bringing us back to the core of what the gospel is all about, which is loving people and seeing people's humanity and that's how he and i connected i saw him i saw TikTok. i was on TikTok. my daughter introduced me to TikTok. i can't went on and and one day he popped up and i'm like i gotta get this guy on ignite i've got to have him on i want to have a conversation with him i reached out to him and as the bible says lo and behold he responded and now this is the third time having him on i hope to have him on many more times we're going to tell you about his book again tonight and we're just gonna his wife will be on later she is the former mayor of fresno california and they did some amazing things we had a we had a life-changing conversation it was life-changing for me the last time they were on and they began to talk they talked about what god did there in fresno and how she felt called to run for mayor and then the work they began to do there in that city and then paul is doing is praying about and God has him on this amazing journey, this great adventure. And I love that. I like the word adventure when we talk kingdom. God has him on an amazing adventure to explore new ways to bring the kingdom to bear on the lives of people. And I love what he's doing. I love the joy and creativity and energy and excitement he brings to it. And so if this is your first time getting a chance to meet him and hear him, you will see what I'm talking about tonight again. Thank all of you for coming on. Pastor Yolanda Oliver is now on. She is my co-pastor, associate pastor there with me at St. Mark United Methodist Church and helps me to host Ignite. Paul, when Ashley comes on, Linda, my wife would have want me to tell you all hello. 
and uh, she enjoyed so much enjoy you all the last time so oh how are you all let me just start out what are you how are you all any big plans for next week for the christmas holiday we'll just do something small we're in california and we're under lockdown again and but we're feeling really hopeful with vaccines coming and all of those things so we're hopeful that life is going to get back to normal here shortly we do have a new year's trip planned to the coast where we live about three hours from the west coast of california and so we're hoping to get to go there if we're if the state is open enough for us to go we'll get to have a little vacation around the new year Oh, gosh, I hope it opens up for you guys. I know we've got to be safe, and I want us to be safe. All of those yeah. who are listening, please be safe. Please abide by the restrictions that have been put in place. But I am praying that those places that are on complete lockdown this week will have some freedom to navigate and move around next week and try to enjoy. I know here in Kansas, the weather is supposed to be wonderful. As a matter at least the next 67 days, I checked the broadcast, Yolanda, and it's perfect sunshine. And I know Florida is supposed to be the sunshine state, but I've been in Florida in the summertime and it made their sunshine there, but there's also a lot of rain there too and thunderstorms and humidity. If you want good sunshine, come to Kansas. So I'm, I am evangelizing on behalf of the state of Kansas. If you want to enjoy four seasons with, with beautiful colors in the fall, uh, beautiful snow in the winter, lots of greenery in the springtime and mild summers with lots of sunshine when the sun is shining here the clock the skies are as clear and blue as i've ever seen so governor laura kelly i cut my check Let right now right now <laughs> there's no place like home there's absolutely no place like home i just had to give that little plug <laughs> i think everybody should say where i live is god's favorite place so yeah i love that you guys love love your city and love your state janice gilbert is laughing at me that she's a pastor pastor yolanda i've got to introduce you you will meet her we'll have pastor janice on at some point, wonderful, great pastor out of the great Texas Conference of, of the United Methodist Church doing amazing work there. I knew when I first met her almost 25 years ago, she already had a doctorate in another field and just came, and then got called into the ministry. She's doing amazing things. Janice, I am honored that you came on tonight. So, Paul, I know that I can flow this way with you. And so I want to start here. Will you What's the Lord saying to you in terms of just, is there a word for us to get us started tonight? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about a word coming in, but that's interesting. Let's see what God did say. I, I know that we're, we're in a time where God is laying hearts bare. And so I think for some of us, that's a scary time. And I think we're going through a little bit of shaking as a culture, as a corporate culture, as a country, and, and as a culture, as a church. And But when we see through the Bible, it's not unusual for cultures of countries and churches to be shaken at times so that God can raise up or, or at least get us to pay attention to what's happening around us and start to look and say, oh, is God going to take me in a new direction? So I think there's probably a lot of people that are watching are going to see this. They're going to say, man, this is a hard time. We're being shaken. A lot of things are being challenged. And we all love status quo and comfort. But I think God is just saying, lean into to the shaking because what's of heaven will remain, it says in Hebrews 12. And 
what's of earth will be shaken away. And and so I just think there's some man-made stuff on us that God would like to shake off a little bit. So uh, lean into the shaking, lean into the hard conversations, lean into the to the things that you, you don't want to challenge your belief systems and let those things be challenged. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind or the ongoing renewing of your mind, it actually says. And so if things are being challenged in your life right now, that's a good place to be and God will, you'll find God and maybe some new aspects of the character of God in that. Wow, Paul, thank you for that word so much. And I, I want to affirm that Pastor Yolanda knows that after our last, my last conversation with you, the last two weeks, I've been preaching about the darkness and the challenges of the moment and how they, if we lean into them, that they can be, these are opportunities for blessing, beginning with John the Baptist after the whole story. I love John the Baptist. I felt like he's just, I, you're kind of a John the Baptist, Paul. It's, there had been no prophet on the scene for 400 years and John shows up in the wilderness at the bank of the Jordan River and he's weird looking and he's got, he's eating locusts and wild honey. And he's the son of, he's got, he's, he comes from a priestly family on both sides. So on his mama's side and his daddy's side. So he could have played the system and went straight to the Episcopacy, been a bishop in no time, been Bishop John the Baptist or whatever. Yeah. He, he casts all of that aside and goes into the desert and starts declaring it and and then i love what matthew says matthew, the gospel of matthew says that all of judea and all of the Ju Ju judean countryside were going out to see, hear him mm. which oh, that's what every preacher wants every preacher wants to like you start your ministry you want people to say man the whole city was going going up going over to hear him or hear her and john had that happening to him and but at the same time as soon as the pharisees and sadducees show up he starts preaching repentance, rebuke and repentance, boldly and courageously. So I see you in the same sense as definitely not looking weird, Paul. I don't mean that, but you showed up in the way. What I mean is that you've set aside the traditions and structures of the church and gone into a kind of wilderness. And wilderness meaning that they're without the normal structures, right? Without the normal parameters, without the normal rules that, got, that guide church life set that aside and gone into places like TikTok and Twitter to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And so I thought about you as I prepared that message. And, and then of course, this past weekend, I preached from Yolanda, the dark side of Christmas, and basically talking about how we think of Christmas with all the lights and all the beauty and the red and the green and like the stuff that's behind me on my screen, but that the first Christmas was really full of scandal and full of unusual stuff going on. Babies were being killed. Herod was massacring, ba massacring babies. Joseph, Mary, and, and the baby Jesus have to flee to Egypt as refugees. It's, there's all kinds of darkness going on. An, un an unwed mother. An unwed mother. With unwed mother with and nobody rid people with with an unknown father. So she's got a she's got a baby daddy, but nobody <laughs> she's got a baby daddy. I couldn't say that at St. Mark when St. Mark <laughs> my singers would have thrown me out. But she had baby we'll daddy. Hear that later. <laughs> <laughs> she has baby daddy issues. But Paul, Yolanda, God was like at work. In the midst of all of that chaos and darkness and scandal and fear and all of that, that 
God was at work as he had never been at work before. I, I, I often tell people that I think that the, the birth of Jesus is the greatest miracle because Jesus, the resurrection is the most important, but there were other resurrections in the New Testament. There were resurrections in, all, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, but the virgin birth is unique in all of the Bible. And it is the greatest miracle because it's God taking on human flesh. Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And but it happened, it only happened through a lot of chaos and a lot of darkness, but God was in the midst of it. So that I wanted Paul to come on tonight and just for us to talk about that other side of Christmas that people don't normally talk about. And Paul, what do you I know that we I told you that's what we want to talk about. Any initial thoughts that you want to share with us? Yeah, I, I think what to go with your theme, and I really love that idea of looking at uh, the scandalous side of Christmas and, and Christmas not being this gentle, wonderful, sweet moment. And I always hear the song, "Little the little baby Jesus, no crying he makes. I'm like, nah, I think that's crap. I think he cried like any other baby. But while this Christmas was an invasion, it, Christmas was a time when God said, I'm going to insert myself into history to change history forever. And we even mark history today from that moment, uh, BC and, and AD. And Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that to us, a, a child is born, a son is given, and, and it says the government will rest or is resting upon his shoulders. Yeah. And to to the increase of that government, and of peace, there will be no end. So that was an invasion where God said, I'm going to come and establish my government, my kingdom on earth, and it will never stop increasing from that moment. And so while we may say, oh, it's getting dark out here, we still need to understand the government and peace, the government and shalom of Jesus is ever increasing. And by God, the enemy wanted to stop it. He killed every baby in a city to try to stop it. And uh, those that were supposed to be listening and waiting for this to happen didn't even recognize. It took John the Baptist in the womb, some shepherd guys and some some Muslims from some country from far away to come and announce that it had happened because the people who were looking for the Messiah had no idea that it was happening. And so it's just, it's such an amazing story to look at, I think. And it flies in the face of contemporary Christendom, the very people who have taken on the name of Christ, particularly in America, and the way we practice Christianity is the absolute opposite of this invasion you talk about. As a matter of fact, Yolanda or Nichelle, if one of y'all will put that on, I want to make sure that our audience, that, that our folks grasp that line that Paul gave us. And by the way, folks, get your pen out because he and his wife, Ashley, when she comes on, they're going to give us, they're going to give us multiple statements just through the Holy Spirit as they, as they talk that will, that you can grasp and begin to build a, add to, add another room or add more volume to your spiritual house. And so that concept that it was, that Christmas was an invasion. It was an invasion to the kingdom of darkness and a takeover. Michelle, if you'll put that, just put that up as a band. I want people to see that. Uh, Yolanda, I don't know if you can type it in, but Christmas wasn't an invasion. Paul, let me ask you. So then, what? given what you just said, what thoughts come to mind for you when you compare that, what God was doing, and I just mentioned it, with what's going on with Christianity today? So you have this poor couple 
you have the wrong people affirming the birth of Jesus, strangers, Muslims from Babylon, from the East. You have all this, these things going on, but God was, they were on the side of God. But if you took that same story and put it in America today, oh gosh, can you imagine what happened? What Mary would be called, what Joseph would be called, what the Magi would be called? Jesus was an immigrant too. He, he was an illegal immigrant in, into another country and then came back here. And yeah, I think he, he came to disrupt the status quo and, and the religious political status quo of his own people. And one of the things I've always found interesting is Matthew 1 gives us the lineage and, and basically Matthew the Hebrew is trying to prove that Jesus is the descendant of Abraham that's been promised. And when you look at that list of names of people that are in the lineage of Jesus, there are three women in that lineage. And it's always been fascinating to me that all three women are foreigners. They're, they're, they were not Jews, although Tamar, it, it's a little iffy if she was or not, but Ruth was a foreigner and Rahab was a foreigner, not people. And that nationalism was very important to the Jewish people of the day. They felt like Israel needed to be made great again. They needed to return to being the greatest economic military power on earth. And Jesus came to say, no, guys, that's not the thing that God's doing in this season. And you don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so you're missing it. And so when that, what that relates to today is a lot of people say to me, well, would, you know, would Jesus be a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter? And, and I say, all I know is that he would love people and he would love them in a way that I think the evangelical church that I grew up in and I lived in and I pastored in, I don't think we would like him very much because I think he would be raw and messy and he would bring people into the church that we don't like. And he would be sitting with gay people and Muslim people and foreigners and immigrants and illegal immigrants and DACA dreamers. And we would be like, Jesus, you know, why aren't you hanging out with the good people? Why aren't you hanging out with us? And so, he came to invade and disrupt the status quo of his own church and his own lineage, uh, knowing that he had this immigrant foreigner past in his inheritance to begin with. And I think today he'd be saying, oh, Christians, come on, let's tear down this status quo and let's start loving people and not let our rightness, we, we've just come to treasure being right and theologically correct and biblically correct so much that it's given us permission to not care about people. And I just think he would disrupt that and it would be so uncomfortable to be around him today. Join this podcast with Pastor Robert Johnson and the group from St. Mark's UMC in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and one of the things I want to talk about as we take this quick break is how you can help the nonpartisan evangelical. So one really easy way you can help is go on any of our social media platforms. We're on TikTok. I'm under Old Pastor Paul. We're on YouTube under the nonpartisan evangelical. Facebook, Instagram uh, under the nonpartisan evangelical. Or you can go on Amazon and my book, Joseph Comes to Town. You can buy one for somebody and you can leave a review. All of those things help tell these different platforms, hey, this matters. And if you're saying, which one, just let me pick one, Paul, then I would say, make it YouTube. All of my TikToks end up on YouTube, and then I do longer form things on YouTube as well, and so I really wanna grow that, in, that YouTube platform, so go to the Nonpartisan Evangelical channel, 
All you got to do is go to YouTube, search Nonpartisan Evangelical, and my channel will come up. You, you can subscribe. You can leave comments. You can share. And all of those things help tell these platforms, hey, this podcast is important to people. And when the different platforms see that, they're like, oh, well, we better promote this thing out there so it helps it grow all the more. Now, there's another way you, that you can help, and you're going to want to get involved in this. Um, our, our What we call our Patreon site and our Patreon community um, exists if you click that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner of my website. And there are different levels that you can support this message of the nonpartisan evangelical financially. And you get cool stuff when you sign up. At just $5.99 a month, you get access to our audiobook series, to our private nonpartisan evangelical Facebook group, and we're going to start having Bible studies, or what I call Bible chats, where it'll be interactive. You'll be able to be in the room with me there, and we'll be doing that in the new year. So you're going to want to be a part of that for just $5.99 a month. Now, if you go up to some of the higher levels, we're going to have seminars this next year and some other cool things. So how, whatever you can do to help build and grow this message. Now, let me tell you, this is not like a normal ministry. It's a for-profit one because I want to pay taxes. I know I'm crazy, but I want the profit that comes in to help support roads and schools and things like that in my city. So you won't get the tax break. But in the Bible, it says that, that often when we're getting our reward here on earth, well, that will usurp our reward in heaven. So you won't get the tax break from the tax man, but God in heaven is going to say cool and and i'm not saying that to coerce you into giving if you're able and if you feel like it would be of value to you and if you really care about seeing this message expand and are and are able to financially if you're not it's okay i love you and you still get to be a part of it but if you can i would love to get 300 people at that five dollar 99 cent a month level so we can really start to add help to grow this thing i'm i'm doing it pretty much all myself with some help of some really cool volunteers i would like to see it expand and to do that my time has to expand and since there are only 24 hours in the day then i got to take some of the things off my plate so that others can help me out so go to the website npepodcast.com in the upper right hand corner there's a patreon button click on it and then uh, you'll be able to see how to sign up at the at the various levels and uh, the gifts and benefits you get when you sign up so hopefully i will see you there. Now back to our discussion about the radicalness of Christmas with Pastor Robert Johnson and the team from St. Mark's UMC in Wichita, Kansas, right here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast and NPEPodcast.com. Wow. Great stuff, Paul. So I want to just put that up. This is one of the responses as it relates to the development of Christianity culture in the Western Hemisphere. Did the message of hellfires and brimstone create the culture of individualism in the movement, which focused on the salvation of converts more than the focus on the concept of serving as a community of believers? That's a great question, Michael. And I would say absolutely. I think that's one of the ways that God's truth got perverted, that Jesus was coming against, that John the Baptist was coming against. And of course, now it's like things have come full cycle and those same that's those same heretical ideas have come back and taken over because again and, and paul just laid it out if you brought jesus into our culture 
It'd be a mess. It would be. I love that. He would not be like. He would, he not, would not be, be like. As a matter of fact, I got. I got to say this, Yolanda. So, Paul, we're working on a project called Near My Village, which is a project that's going to cost about one one and a half million dollars, but it's to house ex-incarcerated persons, and it's to give. And so, what we it, and we connected with a program called Working Men of Christ. And what they do is that they per the big thing they have a they they have a success rate where their recidivism rate is like five percent for the longest it was only two percent. But what they're doing is providing community. So these guys connect with community while they're still in prison. When they come out, they're going to help them get licensed. They're going to help them get jobs. They're going to. But the main thing they do is that they give them immediate community. They move into community. So they move into a house with each man he. The guy moves into a house for the men, and they live in, in, in what I call Christian community. They take care of each other. They pray together every day. They study together every day. They support each other. They go out and look for jobs. They go get their license. Until they find a job, they spend the rest of the day doing community service. They come back home. They do dinner, prayer, and it's tight. And, and so it's so interesting. We're so excited about the project. But the other day... I just a heavy conviction. Now, I've never been in a church where we, yes, I was, yes, I was, where we raised millions of dollars for a, couple, for a building project. As a matter of fact, we did it a couple of times, millions of dollars to, for building projects. And as I thought about that, I was like, I, I don't know if I were, if I really had to be honest, I don't know that if Jesus showed up, Paul, that Jesus would ever say to us, I really like that huge sanctuary y'all spent 20 million. <laughs> I really love your buildings. Right, right. Like, up the hungry people, don't worry about the single mothers, who a single mother who didn't choose to be single mother, some guy walked away from her. She's got four kids. She's working two jobs and trying to feed her kids and take care of her kids and take care of her own health and her well-being. And she's about to get kicked out of her apartment because she's behind on her lease. That that Jesus would say, don't, yeah, don't worry about that. I really like that. And oh, the carpet is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he did say go and make disciples. He didn't say get disciples to come into your building and have really good music and and smoke machines to get them in there and i'm not against buildings and smoke machines but we do have to have our priorities in order and sometimes i do find those walls in that building it's like the disciples and they're like look at this temple isn't this thing amazing jesus and he's nah you know that thing's not going to stand at all yeah and but he's but that didn't stop him from saying the kingdom's going to advance so christmas yeah. you know he says we're given a son and the government's going to rest on his shoulders and it wasn't to win as many people to heaven as possible it was so that he would sit on the throne of david and the kingdom of heaven would be on earth so that it would be on earth as it is in heaven and and so i love that comment from michael because i hear that a lot from people like let's just save souls paul why are you talking about all this other stuff and and i just see jesus was looking at jerusalem and saying jerusalem i just would gather you up like a mother hen if you would let me he, he was looking at them collectively as a group 
or and saying, oh, I just want to grab this city and hug it and, and let this be the place where the throne of David is, but you've rejected me. And so now we're going we're gonna to do something greater and bigger to the rest of the world. So I think that he does look at our corporate heart as well as our individual hearts. And I love it when people come into the family and, and pray a prayer and, and Jesus transforms their life. I'm all for that. I think it's amazing. But if that's the only thing we're trying to do, so here's my really outlandish statement. Why don't we get people saved and then kill them so they get to go to heaven? Or is there a job for us to do here on earth to, to make it on earth as it is in heaven, to bring the kingdom and advance the kingdom and peace? And that word peace is really interesting to me because that the Hebrew word of that is shalom, which doesn't mean the lack of conflict or the lack of war. It means wholeness. It means things being restored and reconnected to heaven, re restored as they were at creation. And Jesus Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. So you can't like sit and, and do nothing and make something. And so he was saying, go restore things, make them right. And so I, I think Jesus was constantly saying, you see that Samaritan woman? Let me model this for you. You go sit with her. I don't care what your culture says. You sit with her and you connect her to the father and tell her the father thinks she's amazing and knows who she is. And that tax collector, you go sit with that guy. And if it ruins your reputation, great. They hated me. Uh, the religious guys hated me. They may hate you too, but you sit with that tax collector. You, you sit with that Muslim. You sit with that Black Lives Matter leader. You go sit with the people that's going to make the religious people say, ooh, Yuck. <laughs> Why are you sitting with that guy? And so sometimes that means our really pretty carpets in our building may have to get a little bit dirty from people's shoes to, to really do that. Paul, it is. And Yolanda, you both of y'all know this, and I, but I think it's worth mentioning. So with the Christmas story from the moment, from the, from the very first announcement to the point that John the Baptist comes on the scene and then throughout the life of Jesus, John the Baptist and then Jesus they only expressed anger towards one group and it was not the what we would call the sinners it wasn't the tax collectors it wasn't the adulterers and adult it it was the religious, religious folks that the only time jesus got really mad was at the was about and john the baptist the same thing he's baptizing he's preaching the kingdom and then he see the bible says he sees the pharisees and sadducees come coming and he says who told you brood of vipers <laughs> who told you about about what's going on and he says and and then he goes off on them literally and so i just i go back to that because i and i what is it about paul what is it about I says and we're religious people I mean, we're religious but what is it about religious people that it's so easy for us to become the barriers to what god's doing in the world because I, Jesus said his mission statement was to come to set the captives free. And we may think that captivity is alcoholism or something like that. And, and those are definitely bondages for some people. But I think what he said is, I want to fulfill the law so that now the law will be written on your hearts and minds. And it will be done in relationship with God, first commandment, and relationship with man, with each other. And th that's all the law from now on. You, you have it written on your heart and you walk it out in relationship with God and with man. And so religion then adds a layer between that. You know, I, what I think, what I think Jesus hated was 
God wanted to, these people to be priests and kingdom advancers and peacemakers, and instead they had to go through this priest who once a year went in and killed lambs on their behalf. And, yeah. and so he said, I want to crush that system. And so Jesus didn't go to all that trouble to crush that system and have that temple wiped out so we could create a new religion and a new layer between man and God. He wanted that to be wiped out. And so that's why I think, because the law creates this self-righteousness and it creates bondage for people and sets, it gives us a chance as humans to say, I'm not as bad as that guy, like the Pharisee with the public. And so that self-righteousness that ostracizes people and marginalizes people, Jesus says, that's, that's what I came to set people free from. So why would I want it to be back again? And I always love it. Jesus was not this sweet guy. And, and sometimes people are like, Paul, you're, you're just so sarcastic and you're mean to Christian people. And, and I look at and I wish I knew the passage now off the top of my head. I don't have the Bible completely memorized yet. But there was one time I love where he was like just ripping the Pharisees, ripping them. And, the, and it says the lawyers came to him and, and they're like, Jesus, when you say this mean stuff, you're insulting us too. And then the next seven verses, he says, oh, yeah, let me tell you what I think about you guys. And he just rips them for the next seven verses, which I love. And so to me, it just shows that he's so bound and determined for us to be set free from the law. Because I think he's saying, if we get rid of the chance for you getting an F at the end of the class, I think you're going to participate in the class better. I think you're going to be a better student if you're not under the pressure of the F grade. So I'm going to give you the A up front. And I think that's going to make you a better student. And you're going to get what I want you to get out of the class rather than just trying not to get the F. And that's what I think this is about. If there's a law as humans, we're like, how can, how close can I get to that law, but still be righteous? How close can I get to that line and still call myself good? But when the law is wiped out, now it's in relationship. And I'm not going to be trying to say, how close can I get to the edge of the hellfire? Now I'm going to be saying, how close can I get to the guy that wiped out the penalty? And when I do that, then I'm going to treat my brother and my sister and the, the, the people that I don't like out there a lot better. So I, I, that's what I think he was doing. Let's just wipe out the penalty for this thing. I'll take it all on me. And then I think you're going to want to know me. And in getting to know me, you're going to be the best version of you you can be. Wow. Wow. Pastor Yolanda, you want to jump in before I move to more questions? No, sir. I'm enjoying just listening. And, and all right. I will say that, Paul, I had the opportunity to, you were having a, an actual service on TikTok, which I did not know was allowed. I thought you could only be on there for a minute or so and take communion with you. And, and just to listen to some of the people that were in that environment and their thought process, you can tell that you connect yourself with other like-minded folk. And I appreciate that. Circumcision was, it's a cut. Oh, was that me? No, that was me. I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> so I think if we can take that type of community that I witnessed in that TikTok environment, incorporate it with this type of community, then we could be the actual example that we're talking about. When you're saying sit next to that person, sit next to this, all those people that are the opposite of what you are, or what you believe in or what you love, I think it's up to us to take that next step to do that. Bring your body, bring our body, bring them together and allow us to be part of that leadership and that change. Yes. 
It's good. Great stuff. Great stuff, Pastor. Thanks, Yolanda. Uh, Wait, now, Charles says he wants to take a ride in a, in a private jet. Are, are you getting the private jet or am I getting the private jet? It says in your private jet. <laughs> I was referring to that comment came up. He made that comment when I was talking about the buildings, how we get caught up in our buildings and the amount of money we spend on our buildings. And I don't I'm not against buildings either, but I just I don't like I just don't know, like, how I could ever justify that if there are people around in my community. And and of course, St. Mark, Mark exists in a po impoverished community where there's so much, there, there's a lot of poverty there. And sometimes I, I will say my youngest daughter, we were in Southside Chicago on occasion, she and my wife and the three of us, and we were riding around and we were, and it was South Chicago in the really deeply impoverished areas of Southside Chicago. And, and there are pockets of South South Chicago that I've, there's poverty. I grew up in Mississippi. I never saw poverty like that. So poverty in Mississippi is rural, it's isolated, but there's still community. So people like they don't, they may not have anything, but they have each other. But what I saw there was just dire poverty with just, I, I literally saw despair and hopelessness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we were riding around and I was like, and you got all these churches, you got all these churches. And my youngest daughter said, but there maybe that those church buildings, just their physical presence may be the hope that's holding these people together. It's not so much what those, that the church is giving them money, but that those people feel like, well, that church, if that church is surviving, then this place can't be all bad. So I'm not against buildings. I just don't right. know. We, I think we spend a million, millions and millions of dollars on a lot of things. And then there are people dying and there are people hungry and dying of starvation and hopelessness all around us. And then I go to 25th chapter of Matthew, where Jesus says that I'm, this is what I'll be, you'll be judged by. Did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the naked? And that kind of thing. But certainly some of you all may be in the midst of building a building project. I, I do not want to, as a matter of fact, tell your members that I said that I want, they should give generously and be fruitful participants in the life of your local community. Yes. So I want to come back to Paul and I want to ask him, Paul, I know you're doing, a, as Pastor Yolanda mentioned, you're doing a lot of stuff. You're doing some stuff on TikTok and Twitter. And I know there's a series that you just that you've been in the midst of, and if you're comfortable, I'd like to, like for you to talk a little about that. What the those recent videos, and because I and, and reason I think this is important, Paul, is because I think it's one thing for me to talk about how Jesus challenged, how Christmas was an invasion, and Jesus Jesus challenged the religious aristocracy of his time. But then, what does that look like for us? Let's do the nuts and bolts of what that looks like for us to represent Jesus in our contexts. Hmm. Are you talking about the series on homosexuality? Yeah. Yes. So the bigger question is, are you comfortable with me sharing that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully comfortable. I, uh, people know where I am. Hey, let's uh, go. Let's go. Let's dive into <laughs> Pastor Janice, yes, the church must leave the church building and be fruitful out outward. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. And Pastor Curtis, the lives consist of more than the abundance of things that people possess. Yes. So, so, so let, let me set a platform for you, Paul. I'll set okay. a So I ran across something today that, that, that rattled me. 
He's one of my favorite writers, Lynn Sweet, and he does a podcast, folks, by the way, called Napkin Scribbles. And the podcast on like five minutes. And he just like an inspirational deal that he does. He recently did a podcast on relationships. And he says, Nikolo Tesla, by the way, those of you that like the Tesla car, they, they're named after this guy. But this guy is one of the most brilliant human beings that ever lived. Just look him up, Nikolo Tesla. And he says that Nick Tesla suggested that, that if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Mm. So if you want another secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. But Leonard Sweet says he would add one thing to that, and that is that he would add relationship. That if you want to get to the essence of, of reality and the universe and life, it's about relationships. And he says, and what we do is we get caught up in laws and principles. And he says, even when we talk about becoming like Jesus, that we get into imitating Jesus. And he says, but Jesus is, is relationship. That it's more of an impartation of Jesus into our souls than it is about imitating the principles and examples of Jesus. And, uh, and so he says, and when you enter into a relationship, then it makes it, it challenges us when we begin to use rules and laws to divide ourselves and to condemn other people in a very self-righteous way. That that's not what Jesus is doing, that it's about relationships. So I say that to take the context because that's what I've heard in, in a lot of your presentations. So now let's go. Let's jump into it. <laughs> One of the things I see that Jesus did is, is, again, he challenged the norm. He he would he told the story of the Good Samaritan because Samaritans were the people that, that his people believed were the worst, most ungodly people out there. They least deserved the favor of God. And so he would say, here's a story where the Samaritan is the hero. And so I, I see that we settle for our theology and, and now we're seeing it trickle into our ideology and they're becoming really intertwined. And I think Jesus wants to come in this season and say, are you sure of everything? Because once you know everything, then I can't be a sovereign Lord over you anymore. Your understanding of theology and scripture has become your sovereign Lord. And am I allowed to challenge that? So like he came to Peter and said, here, Peter, eat this unclean food. And Peter said, you know, hell no, I won't eat that. And Jesus said, wait a second, you just called me Lord. And I'm telling you, don't call unclean what I call clean. And so I think we settled in this place theologically and, and, and homosexuality is just such a hot button. It's one, one I like to poke because it's like the Samaritans for them. And I'm asking, are we so sure we've got it right? So Romans 1 is the passage we always point to and say, there, God hates gay people. It's Romans one twenty seven. It couldn't be clearer. But then I start to read the whole of the book of Romans and the whole of even the first chapter or the first two chapters of Romans. And I'm like, I don't think it's as clear as we think it is. Because when I read Romans 1, verse 25 says that the sin of the chapter that Paul is using to set up this premise for the book of Romans He's actually not making a theological construct in Romans 1. He's setting up a straw man that he's going to break down in the rest of the book. Right. And, and the straw man sin that he's setting up is worshiping the created rather than the creator. This, uh, yeah, stop me if I've got anything wrong, Pastor no, no, Robert. That's right. that's right. That's right. It's idolatry, but keep going. This is you're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. And so we think the chapter is about the sin of homosexuality. He's saying, no, this... 
what what he's talking about is this temple worship of these birds he says and animals and creepy things along the ground they made these statues in this temple to isis in the city of rome and and they worshiped them and because they were worshiping these created items rather than the true god he gave them over to some of the things of their culture which included male prostitution in the temple it didn't and then he goes on and gives a, a bunch of other things in the list which includes disobeying parents we read romans 1 and we say clearly god hates gay people and i'm challenging us to say no let's actually read the whole chapter and then the whole of the book of romans is a setup to get to romans 8 28 which says hey because of jesus there's now no condemnation for you guys the condemnation is gone it's like he told the woman caught in adultery all of your condemners are gone and now you owe your life to me and i set you free from condemnation you are you have an a in the class so now go and sin no more live a different life because i'm going to destroy the condemners that are coming against you and i'm going to destroy the system that has you in the situation that you're in the first place and when that's our battle then we get to ask questions about people's lives no question we can say is what you're doing healthy for you but so our belief system is we see romans 1 we see first corinthians 6 9 we see first timothy uh, 1 9 and 10 and we say see god hates gay people and that's really important and i say yeah, but Jesus said marriage is between one man and one woman. And if you get divorced for any reason other than adultery and remarried, you are an adulterer for the rest of your life. And we just we just fly right over that. Exactly right. We have divorced pastors all over the place and we don't say any. We don't bat an eye. We first Timothy talks about liars and greedy and we have gossips and, and we just skirt over those because culturally we've bought into the belief that being gay is one of the top two sins you can do. And so I'm challenging us to think, guys, have we seen this a little bit wrong? Yeah. And that God is a little bit more able to adapt to where we are in culture, where people live. He's big enough to find us where we are. And I think he's asking us as his people, you be bigger to find people where they are too. Okay, that's it. Uh, it was a long discussion, so we decided to cut it into two parts, and that's the end of part one. Part two, if you're listening to this live, will be coming out shortly. If you're listening to it a few days later, it may already be out, but both of them will be out over the holiday season. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel, sign up for our Insiders newsletter, and join us on the Patreon community so you can help support our mission financially and get some other really cool stuff as we head into 2021. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast here on npepodcast.com.